Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 1, Into the Fire. Isn't there an 80s song called that? No, it's Dance Into the Fire, something? Um, it sounds like there should be. I mean, there's if there's not, yeah, there should be, for sure. <laughs> Can't think of anything off the top of my head, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. So before we actually get into this week's episode, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, first of all, if you are listening to this on the day it is released, February 17th, happy anniversary, Rachel. Yay! Happy anniversary! One year ago today, we released our first episode. And now here we are starting season three. Yay! I'm proud of us. We stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's still so much more to do. So much more to come. Yay! So. Thank you, everybody, for so many more, so many more episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you've been here since then, thanks for sticking around for a year. If you're new, I hope you stick around for the next year. And yeah, we're only yeah. getting funnier, I promise. Yeah, yeah. Especially, if, especially if you stuck around after the first episode, which yeah. wasn't. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it also it wasn't, you know, the best. It was not but. horrible, but it was not good. It was not. It was not good. But that was our first podcast ever, so you know, we're learning. But mm-hmm, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we're getting there. And then, so in the last week's episode was our sort of season two review, and we had put out on Twitter a bunch of polls as we had each brought to the table our sort of best of and favorites and stuff. So I don't, Rachel, you have not seen these results. So we're going to go over them. We're going to get Rachel's live reactions. How many did I win? Um, let's see. One, two, three. Three, four, five, six. You won seven out of the eight. <laughs> Woo! But also, I also won several of those because that was, there were, you know, we each had the same episode for some of them, so. Oh. <laughs> but. Um, so we both get, tro- we get participation trophies? Yes. Yes. We're all winners. Yeah. But mostly me. Especially you listeners. You're the real winners. <laughs> Uh, okay um so the first question was is the best hammond episode 1969 87.5 percent of people said yes yay uh the next question was is the best tilk episode family and that was 71.4 percent said yes oh yes Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Uh, Is the best Sam episode in the line of duty? That was also 71.4% yes. Does it say in these statistics how many people actually voted? Uh, Yes. I want to know that too. Okay, so the Hammond episode had eight votes total. Uh, Tilk and Sam both had seven votes total. Mm -hmm. Um, The next one, so which is the best Daniel episode, holiday, or need With eight votes total, 75% selected holiday. So congratulations, Mm -hmm. Rachel. Thank you. Uh, For the best Jack episode, that was either the fifth race or message in a bottle with a total of nine votes. The winner was the fifth race with 88.9%. The best otherworldly being had eight votes total, and the winner was the Tokra with 75%. So that was me. Hey. Okay. Uh, the best villain with 19 total votes. 
between NID or Apophis, the winner was Apophis with 73.7% of the vote. Mm-hmm. That was you again, Rachel. Woo-hoo. And for the best wump moment between Mead and Jacob Carter's return with 14 total votes, the winner was Jacob Carter's return <gasps> with 78.6%. Ooh, that was I, surprising. I, I, yeah, I, I think you people out there don't understand wump because... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're everybody out there's wrong. Meat is the best one because it's the only one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> right. So, but there you go. Those are the results of our season two polls. Hey, way to go. People actually voting. I know. A couple That's of them exciting. Are double digits. I know. So <laughs> you can tell. Can you wait? <laughs> I was about to make a joke that you couldn't tell it was just us voting over and over again, but you can't really tell that, can you? Well, in Twitter, once you vote in a poll, you can't vote again unless okay. you have multiple accounts and you vote as each because, account. But all right, because of I, course but we I wouldn't do hand, that. Hand to God, I did not vote for myself. I, in any I of those polls definitely did not account. make fourteen different Twitter accounts <laughs> so that I could vote for myself. <laughs> Of course not. Why would you do such a thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yep. Did you put uh, any of the other polls up there? Or was that was that all we got? That that was all the polls for season hey, two. All right. So, yeah. I like polls. I like knowing people actually vote on stuff. I know. <laughs> we actually have people who listen and like pay attention to our Twitter. So. Well, half pay Thanks. attention. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go. Yep. All right. Are we ready then to get into 301 into the fire? Let's do it. Okay. I feel like this needs a, we need to sing some sort of into the fire song. Have we one didn't the time I start the fire. For some reason, everybody brings up like fire and songs. That's always the one that pops into my head. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up on, on. Let's find out what sort of into this fire we can see. I, I don't know. I'm not going to play the okay. song anyway. No. Proceed. Okay. Uh, you look up. I'll go through like the, the you know opening stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, this episode originally aired on June 25th, 1999. It was written by Brad Wright and directed by Martin Wood. And in this episode, Jack, Sam, and Daniel must escape Hathor's clutches while Tilk tries to raise a Jaffa army on Chulak. General Hammond must take desperate measures to rescue the team. That's a good one. This is a good Hammond one. It is a good Hammond one. Mm-hmm. Which, my, one of my favorite all-time Hammond moments, like, ever all-time, is, like, at the end of this episode. So. The reveal? No, not the reveal. No, we'll get to it. Reveal. I'll, I'll tell you when we get there. Okay. But, so... So in this episode, we open in the gate room with an incoming wormhole and Colonel Makepeace's team is returning from a mission and he like comes just like charging out of the gate, runs to the gate room, up into the control room and he yells, make a hole! And he just like charges to him. He's like, where's Hammond? And he gets told he's in his office. So he just like runs straight up there. Apparently something has lit a fire under his butt. So uh, he gets to Hammond's office and Hammond. And it wasn't into the fire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no, no. Uh, um, So Hammond is with Major Davis and they seem to be negotiating for more money so they can have some more SG teams because it's a big universe out there. 
And Makepeace just like barges in and tells Hammond that when they were scouting 254, they came across some Tok'ra who know where SG-1 is. And they've been taken prisoner by Hathor. <gasps> what? Shocking. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah. So, here's a question. Were, were there Tok'ra just like incidentally on 254? Or did Tok'ra somehow know there would be an SG team on 254? I think, I mean, they have, I think they have people, they, oh, I'm trying <laughs> to figure out in my brain, like, if there are enough Toker operatives at this point in time to just kind of be spread all over everywhere enough to have that sort of reach of info. But right. I feel like once SG-1 got captured, I mean, that's probably pretty big news. Yeah. So I think the Toker probably kind of sought out where they thought SG-1 would most likely, you know, be. I think they kind of found them. Well, I don't think SG-3, that make pieces seem, I don't think SG-3 were looking for SG-1. I think SG-3 were just on their own mission. And because he says they were scouting 254, which seems to be a sort of initial recon type situation. So I don't think this was specifically a SG-1 might be here kind of thing that SG-3 was on. Mm-hmm. So is 254 just a good planet in general for scouting? And maybe the Tok'ra were scouting it as another backup base planet location thing? Yeah, maybe. And Sounds it was good. like just a total coincidence that Tok'ra and an SG team were there at the same time. And had that map they gave him? Yeah. Or, or they met it. up and then went back and got the map and then came back to there and make peace went home. You know, that part's a lot, I'm a little, you know can hand with that a little easier but how were the tokra and sg3 on 254 at the same time it's still a question i don't know if we have an answer to um i'm gonna go with they prearranged um tea time to get together <laughs> and teach them how to play bridge and uh, um you know some other card games euchre euchre yes hearts it's a good yep. one okay i think i really yep they're having a large tea party okay I like it. Yeah. So from there we go to the opening credits, which for some reason mysteriously on Netflix are back to like the the Pharaoh crawl, which is weird because season three is when like the show itself went to the montage opening. So I don't know if, you know, maybe episode two will be back to the montage thing. I don't know. It's just that caught me as a little weird. I don't know. I don't have to see. Yeah. So we come back from the credits and there is a set of blueprints on Hammond's desk. And he's like, why does it seem like I'm looking at the SGC? Because you are kind of apparently Hathor has redesigned a section of her base to be just a mock-up of the SGC. Uh, However, hers is very much unguarded on the outside. And even inside, there's apparently very minimal personnel. And Major Davis questions that if there's a Tok'ra operative inside, why can't they do something about SG-1? And Hammond's like, they did. And they also didn't talk about the fact that it wasn't really guarded because everybody was being used as extras in the ruse. (laughs) Yes. Everyone was already (laughs) occupied. Yes, everybody already had their role. They didn't have any extra extras for guards. Extras. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So the Tok'ra operative did do something they got this information out and so Hammond orders Walter to get the president on the phone 
and for Makepeace to inform all of the teams on base to be ready to ship out in two hours. And Major Davis seems kind of incredulous that Hammond would, like, send everybody on base, which is apparently only about half of the total teams that they have to rescue SG-1. After all, important they may be, they are just one team. And Hammond's like, you have a lot to learn about how the SGC operates. Yeah, Davis is still kind of new at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. Then the gate is open and Hammond is giving one of his, you know, rousing speeches to the teams and is like, you know, the risks and what could happen. And I can't make you go. But if you are willing to attempt to rescue, please take a step. And everybody steps forward because of course they do. What if there was one guy that was just like, oh, I was, oh, okay, I was going (laughs) to step backwards. Yeah. I can't do that now. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, so everybody's in. And so SG teams three, five, six and 11 have a go. And I love this transition shot because it like pushes up as the teams go like up to the gate. And we kind of end up on like the wall, either the side or like right behind the gate. And then it kind of keeps panning around. But then we're in Hathor's gate room, which is just I always love like when they're just like cool, smooth transitions like that. Yeah, I like how during that transition, they highlighted the very slight differences in the room that they didn't replicate correctly. Yeah, like the lighting's a little off, I think, too. Yeah. Somehow, kind of. Yeah. There were, like, lights on the wall in the fake one where there weren't in the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff turned into wall lighting and I was like ah Hathor doesn't have a photographic memory after all nope she does not remember every single thing nope um and so Hathor you know is basically we're sort of like where we left off with Hathor at the end of season two where she's still trying to get one of SG-1 to be the new Gould host and obviously nobody's going for it and then at one point the symbiote kind of starts like sort of squeaking sort of like at Jack, like and sort of like reaching out for him with this little beak thing. So I don't I don't know. It's just kind of creepy. And Does it, it kind of on you that like the three of them are not putting up way more of a fight. They're just kind of, well, kind of standing there. Well, they don't have any weapons and they're like surrounded by Jaffa who have Zach guns and staff weapons and stuff. There's really not much they can do, I don't think, really, without yeah. then just being killed. Mm. Yeah, I, don't know. I guess I don't know. It just seemed weird to me how they all just kind of stood there, like, meh, whatever. Yeah. So eventually, it just kind of Jack just kind of gives in and is like, all right, fine, I'll be the host. Just you know, don't put it in my neck, kind of a thing. And he then makes a grab for the symbiote, though, and gets zatted for his trouble by Dr. Raleigh. And he ends up dropping the, symbi- the symbiote, who kind of scurries away. And Hathor is now very not pleased because the symbiote has been hurt anyway. And Jack is now unconscious. So the symbiote goes back into the Jaffa and Jack is taken somewhere that he can be restrained. Well, at least he put up a little bit of a fight. I mean, he did. Yeah. Uh, We then get a quick cut of the SG teams arriving on the planet. And there's, as they said, there's like no guards around at all. Make peace orders one of the teams to stay at the gate and then gets the lowdown from one of the other guys. And there does seem to be some EM stuff coming from nearby. 
but nothing on any of like the SGC frequencies or any kind of just general radio chatter. So it's very quiet when they arrive. Mm-hmm. Suspiciously quiet. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so. Mayhaps. Yep. Maybe. Yep. Uh, so we then cut over to Chulak, where Tilk is entering Braytac's house, which has been just like ransacked. And Braytac has been pinned underneath some sort of large furniture piece and grabs at like Tilk's legs as he walks by, bringing him to the ground before he recognizes Tilk as Tilk. And, you know, Tilk gets him out and you see Braytac has been sort of like beaten up and he's all kind of bloody and injured and looking a little worse for wear at this point in the episode. And apparently after the death of Apophis, there was no rejoicing like they thought there would be. Instead, everybody became afraid that Chlorel would return to quote unquote claim his inheritance. And so they just started a whole bunch of infighting and stuff. And we also learn in this bit that Braytac is 135 years old. So he's like, I thought he would have been good. older. I know, because Tilk is 980 something, 90, 80, something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Braytac's 135. And uh, so Tilk tells Braytac why he's there, that he needs to raise an army to go rescue his friends. And Braytac's like, that might be a little difficult to do right now because nobody's getting along on Chulak at this point in time. So no, it's not good on Chulak. And so we're back in one of the cryo chambers and Jack is in one of those tanks awaiting the implantation because apparently that's the only thing with restraints that they have on the base. Yeah. And, you know, Hathor does her little villain speech and she's like, once you're made into a ghoul, you'll watch helplessly as you kill all your friends, blah, blah, blah. Because that's It's going to be glorious. Yes. Destruction, mayhem. Yes. Yay. Yeah. And then, um, for some reason, Hathor, like, rips the front of Jack's, like, undershirt. I don't know. Open (laughs) for no reason. I, I, I don't yeah, really know why. It's not really necessary at all. No. It was like a like white cutaway shirt thing had to be. Yeah. I don't yeah. <laughs> I was just kind of like, okay. Final uh, inspection of the goods. I don't know. <laughs> um, so then she takes the symbiote, put it, puts it on like Jack's chest, and it kind of squirms and wiggles around a little bit before it just like plunges into the back of his neck. Yeah, and I know it's really, like, interesting. We get a shot of Daniel and Sam watching this, and Daniel's just, like, completely blank-faced at what's happening, whereas Sam actually kind of, like, looks away and recoils and, like, horror at it. I just thought, like, Daniel's just, like, completely shut down. Oh, you thought it was more that he just checked out? I think think so, because, you know, the last time he saw Hathor, bad things happened to him, and I think he's just Mm. completely disengaged from what is happening because he can't really deal with it, I think. Okay, so maybe that's what I was seeing. It's just I just found it so surprising that they were just standing there like, eh, but maybe that's what it was. Yeah. And then suddenly there is the sound of staff weapons and machine gun fire out in the hall. And what? so Hathor orders her Jaffa to go investigate and Sam and Daniel are taken away while we watch Jack become a ghouled. Ah. Yeah, uh, we had a quick cut to the fighting out in the hallway, which is, you know, Jaffa falling very easily, even despite all their wep- their armor that they have on them. Um, 
But so back in the cryo chamber, Dr. Raleigh is still there and she does some typey typey stuff on like the console of the cryo chamber and before she rushes over to Jack and it turns out this is Tokra Spy. Yay! So, yay! We know who she is and what she's doing. And she's apparently reactivated the freezing process because until it's fully assimilated into Jack, like, the freezing process should kill the symbiote, but she needs Jack to fight off the ghouled as best he can mentally, I guess. So that'll be their best chance for Jack to not be a ghouled at this point. So if she turns out to be the Toker spy, mm-hmm. it's interesting that like in the first part of the episode, part one, you know, last season's cliffhanger, mm-hmm. when she was installing the memory dudes on their brain, you know, on their temples. Yeah. She's the one that said this technology was a gift from the Tokra. Yes. So sorry, that turned out to be true, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it did. <laughs> yep. So that does also then explain sort of why she's added Jack slash the symbiote in the gate room. Cause it was her trying to prevent, you know, one of them from being taken over by the, by the symbiote. Cause it allowed her to like buy some time to maybe come up with a plan. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so now that thing makes sense. And yeah. So we know who the good guy is. Who's on our side. Way so, to go. Yay. Dr. Raleigh. So we get some more fighting in the halls is make pieces and his team are like walking around and trying to find out what's going on. And they finally make it to, okay, here's my question. So the, in the facility, uh, Jack, Sam and Daniel all were all being kept in separate cryo chambers and Jack eventually got a tour and found the gate room. Are there three fake gate rooms or is there just sort of like one that's in the middle of those three cryo chambers and other hallways oh yeah we talked about this before didn't we if they did had we? How, how yeah of how much of the facility did they duplicate for each person and i think at the time we decided there were three different gate rooms because okay. they didn't want to risk having anybody run into each other okay i think it's where we ended it okay yeah I'm not sure if that's consistent with what happens in this episode, though. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because we never saw in the other half anyone else getting, you know, not, it didn't get far enough for them to be given, like, the tour to the gate room and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we don't know if, where they actually ended up. That's true. Um, and then there was also the fact that for Jack to get from one to the other, he had to go, like, through the Gould ship. Like, went through, like, actual Gould hallways. Mm-hmm. So... Okay. Well, that was in favor of there being separate gate rooms. Right. Okay. So anyway, so Makepeace and the teams, they finally make it to like one of, I guess then, the fake gate rooms. And he's like, okay, this area is secure. So they move out. And then Sam and Daniel are being led through a corridor by just uh, a singular Jaffa guard. Because, of course, why not? And uh, Makepeace and his guys sort of like, come out from hiding or from cover and order the Jaffa to drop his weapon. So Sam elbows the guard and Jack like, or Daniel, sorry, not Jack, Daniel, like swats at his arm to knock the weapon away. And they duck out of the way as Makepeace and his men take down the guard. So Makepeace then asks after Jack and he seems appropriately horrified that he has been taken as a host. 
Mm, yes. yes. There's an appropriate reaction. Yes. And it's from Makepeace, of all people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, How would you like to live your entire life with a name like Makepeace? It, it, it seems Native American for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Or, like, it was translated from, like, German or something. And they're like, what do these words? It's then, it's like, in German, it's some horrible mouthful at Ellis Island. And the people there were like, I don't know how to say that. What does it mean? And they said, it means make peace. And they're like, okay, great. Your name is now make peace. You know, one that of does. those scenarios <laughs> that happened way that back totally in the day. That totally sounds like that would work. <laughs> so, back in the cryo chamber, Hathor enters and sees what Dr. Raleigh is doing and they kind of yell at each other a bit before Raleigh reveals to Hathor that she is a Tok'ra spy and then she just like gets tossed against the wall for her troubles. And And we think she might be dead. Me, yeah, she's she's looking know. not great at yeah. this point when we cut away from her. Mm-hmm. Um so Makepeace and his men are getting ready to escort Sam and Daniel who are now in SG uniforms uh back to the gate. And, you know, make pieces like we'll we'll be out in five and the gate team is like, great. And then suddenly something starts happening at the gate and a set of transport rings lights up and communication with that team is then lost. And so make pieces like we got to go right now. And Daniel's like, hey, what about Jack? And make pieces like he's just casualty of war at this point. And Sam tries to argue that if they can get Jack back to Earth, they, they like you know they can save him. And make pieces like if we've lost control of the gate, nobody's getting back to Earth. So True. let's get us out of here. We can come back for Jack is probably what he's thinking. But if we can't get out of here now, nobody's getting out ever. So which is true. Yes. So back on Chulak, Tilk now in a full Jaffa armor uh, approaches a priestess and her two guards and they have a little showdown as the priestess denigrates Tilk for his betrayal. And he's like, I betrayed no one. Apophis is dead and false god and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the Tilk thing that he does mm-hmm. now. And uh, he takes out her guards and then orders her to tell everyone on Chulak that Tilk has returned and he will speak at Braytek's house at dawn. If so, I were her, would I would would you have actually done it or you'd have been like, dude's crazy. No, I'm just going home. Oh, I mean, after the whole like, you know, taking out her guards, I'd be like, maybe I don't want to make him mad. Well, she could have just been like, I don't know. I told people nobody <laughs> shut up. Nobody wanted to listen to you. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah. Although, you know, authority and all that stuff. Hmm. Yeah. I can see going either way. <laughs> so back on Hathor's planet, uh, they've made it sort of like the edge of the clearing where the gate is. And it's now nighttime and there's no sign of the team that he left there or anybody else. So they start making their way to the gate when one of the soldiers runs into a force field and is knocked back and everybody's trapped. And here's my question. So, I don't know if I ever really understand this. So when this first happened, did you think the force field was around the gate, keeping them like away from the gate or like around the mothership, preventing them from leaving the mothership area? I thought it was around the gate. Me too. But then what happens next doesn't make any sense. Like, like I don't, I don't really understand the force field thing really in this it is, episode. It is pretty unclear how, who the force field is protecting 
and or preventing or yeah trapping keeping contained <laughs> like what is the force field containing <laughs> what don't... is it supposed to do yeah because then there's the other some other stuff that happens later it's just like but the force field you know but we'll get to it in a little bit so the transport rings then activate and we see Trotsky and a team of Jaffa and Makepeace orders everybody to open fire. But of course, the bullets aren't going to go through the energy shield. So it's time to fall back. And then they get blocked from their retreat by these two huge like gun turrets that were apparently just like sitting underground buried in dirt with Jaffa in them. And nice. they like they're like. 20 feet tall or something. These things are huge, massive. Mm They have Jaffa sitting in them and they begin shooting out these just like huge, like plasma blasts, I guess, kind of thing. Um, I love how those weapons are like just huge ass versions of the tiny staff weapons. Yeah. Yeah. They basically are like, this design works. So just make a bigger one. Make it bigger. More power. Yep. (laughs) um one of the like the red shirt soldiers gets taken down and daniel's nearby and he sort of gets knocked down like he's he's okay and sam runs back to get him as they all retreat into the tree line where make peace has found a tunnel and it turns out that the tunnel is a tokra tunnel yay and make peace confirms to Sam that they may have someone on the inside. He doesn't know who and doesn't expect to find out. Cause I guess he's sort of working with the fact that the Toker operative might not still be there. Like they may have left for fear of being found out. So they, they, they don't know if they have anybody on the inside that can help them. And uh, Daniel's leg has been injured, but he insists he'll be fine. It's just a big gaping, bleeding wound, but don't worry about him. Um, it's fine. And, Makepeace tries to get the other team on the radio, but still no luck. And so Sam proposes, like, if they can't go through the shield, maybe they can go under it. So they're going to do that. And we get a shot then of Trotsky reporting back to Hathor through one of the smaller handheld communication ball device things that... uh, They've escaped into Tokra tunnels, which he's like, there are Tokra tunnels here. This is very important information. She's like, yeah, I know. I already took care of the spy. Don't worry about it. So, um, and then she orders yeah, him. We never also get to know how the originator speaks to people. Do they each have one? We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. It is, it is, it is. The, 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 the communication ball device thing is very mysterious in how it actually works. Very mysterious works. and vague. Yes. <laughs> It just it works. That's all you need to know. It works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So have the internet connection on those is good. Are there satellites? Like what's the Wi-Fi like? They're like yeah. long distance calling. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know anything. It just is. Okay. okay. <laughs> also, how do you know who you're supposed to be talking to? How do you connect to a specific person? How do you call somebody specific? It's just a ball. Yeah. yeah. And how do you know who's calling you? Yeah. Their caller ID on these things? I don't know. Like, what if you're just out of the shower? Like, do you get warned that it's Hathor that's calling you instead of just, like, your friend Bob the Jaffa? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Can you have it? Just audio, no video? Oh, yeah. That's oh, true. Yeah. Very important questions. We do know. <laughs> Very important questions. <laughs> So uh, Hathor orders Trotsky to take as many of like the SG people alive so that she can make them into new Jaffa. Yay. 
Unfortunately, back in the tunnels, the shield somehow goes underground. Also weird. Oh, she's also weird. So that's out. And Sam, like, contemplates out loud about the power source for this thing that has to be huge and make pieces just like, that's great. What do we do now? Like, he's like, science. (laughs) Yeah, science. Big whoop. What's our plan? So back at the SGC, SG3 is now five hours overdue for their check-in. So Hammond orders the gate to be open so they can initiate communication from Earth. And so it's now apparently the next morning on Hathor's planet, which for some reason when I was watching this, this random thing popped into my head. Like, do they only gate to planets that's in the same general sort of time zone, I guess, if you will, as the SGC? Because like, what if they gate somewhere and it's like midnight there, but it's like 2 p.m.? back on earth like do they deal with like gate lag do they just walk around until the sun comes up do they do they take that into consideration when they send the map through do they look at the sky and be like oh it looks like it's about you know 11 a.m but it's like 5 p.m here so that's not a great match i don't know why i mean what if how long is a day on those planets that yes yeah all very important questions i know yeah. All questions that never get answered <laughs> because not. we're the only people that think about these things. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it's now apparently like the next morning when the gate activates and Trotsky orders all the Shafat to be on guard. But of course, nobody comes through because it's just Hammond on the radio. And luckily, Makepeace is able to receive that radio signal because apparently the shield is the radio amplifier. Makes total sense. Sure. Yep. No flaws um, in that logic. Sounds great. Yep. So he gives Hammond the rundown and tells him that they're cut off from the gate. So they come up with a little plan where Hammond will send back up through in exactly six hours. So yay, back up. Like uh, yeah. He finally. Then, yes, finally. Uh, he then asks Walter to like sort of scan the gate area with the MALP camera and so it kind of spills around and shows us the shots or well, it shows Hammond and everybody there, the shots of all the Jaffa and Trotsky and uh, Trotsky, of course, shoots it with a Zat. So that kills the Malp and the communication with Makepeace and Hammond. So that's gone. But at least we have now a six hour countdown until help arrives. So did they I missed did they send the map through or was the map already there and they just like reactivated it to look around? I believe it was like the map was already there. Okay, good. Cause in my head that sounded really funny. <laughs> if they sent the map through, just like look around and all of everybody around the gate is just like looking at it and <laughs> waiting for it to do something weird. And then yeah. they shot it. Yeah, no, I I believe the the map was there when they called in, so. Okay. Yeah. So in Hammond's office, he's talking with Major Davis again, and apparently his request to send another SG team through has been denied by the president and the Joint Chiefs. They just don't see any monetary value in sending more people to their death, apparently, which I I get it, but also you suck. So if they're going to make it back, they're going to have to do it on their own. Is where we are. Yeah. I mean, I actually agree with it. There have been so many TV shows 
and stuff that you watch where they're like, this one person is special. This person must live. And they go on this huge rescue mission and like 20 people die during the rescue yeah. mission. But it's okay because this guy lived. He's yes. awesome. And you're like, um, all right, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. So back down in the tunnels, Sam's been thinking about how large the force field is. And given that, it must be powered from inside the facility. And these tunnels were used by the Tok'ra probably to access the facility. So Sam's going to go back and try to find the generator to blow it up before the six-hour deadline. When was the shield turned on? I, I don't know that either. I guess Hathor activated it when she, you know, they showed up and escaped. I don't know. I have so many questions about the shield in this episode. It's really ridiculous. <laughs> but well, well, I mean, I guess we can assume that if the power source turns out to be on the base, that it's made to protect the base. Yeah. It just, I don't. And not necessarily the gate. But, you know, the fun part is they could have just like, I don't know. It's in a very weird range yeah. in proximity to the gate. Yeah. It's like, it's so close. Like, why would you let it go that close to the gate? Mm-hmm. If you want to keep people from getting to the gate. Yep. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Daniel offers to go with her, but she's like, no, you're too hurt. And make peace is like, okay, I'll send a team with you. And she's like, no, you need everybody for the attack when the gate opens. Which, I mean, yes, good point, Sam. But like, maybe one person for backup would be better than nobody. I know. They're not reading our memos. Bring backup, no, damn it. They're not backup. No. But yeah. So, so, so no, but it's just going to be Sam all, all by herself. Making mm-hmm. her way back in. Oh, stealthy and gorgeous. Yeah. So they do make a tentative plan about how they'll, like, attack the gate and those, like, turrets and stuff when the six-hour deadline is up. So at least there's that. But um, off she goes all by herself. Yay! Yay. Back on Chulak, Tilk is addressing all those who have gathered at Braytac's house, which is about maybe 20 10, people? 10, 20 people. 15. Yeah. 15, 20 people? Not that well, many. Well, how do you suppose, how big do you suppose the village is? What percentage of people do you think actually showed up? Uh, probably a couple like, hundred at least. Okay. So, like, one percent, if that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like thousands of people and, like, ten showed up? Not a good showing. Yeah. No. No. Um, so Tilk gives, you know, one of his very impassioned speeches about how the Gould are false gods and Apophis is dead and that the Gould are only as strong as the Jaffa because it is us who serve them. And he was hoping that the death of Apophis would be a day of rejoicing on Chulak, but instead there was just more fighting. He wants them to join him in a fight against the Gould and try to take them down once and for all. I think he probably should have some lessons on, like, how to speak to a crowd. (laughs) He doesn't really seem to have the thought process of, like, what would you do if somebody came to you and was like, everything you believe is a lie? Would they be like, oh, my God, of course. Yes. Or would they be like, no, you're an idiot. Yeah. Why should I listen to you? You're a traitor. Yes, I think I think you should you know, speak to somebody on how, how to properly <laughs> speak to a crowd about yeah. how to tell them that their entire life is fake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, sadly, most of the people who were there leave and there's like maybe four or five people who stay. And, um, 
one of the men that's there kind of lowers his hood and oh my god, it's Hammond! Oh god, he went off world. It's like for the second time. Second time ever. Second he must time. Have been so ever. excited. No. And so Hammond has come to ask for their help. How in the world would he have known where? Huh? How in the world? And she's like, how, how would he have known where to go? Unless he overheard people. I'm I'm guessing yeah that's what happened. He kind of managed to make his way to the village and then heard the call from the priestess of everybody go to Braytag's house and then just followed everybody to Braytag's house. If you want to believe in the crazy person, or yes. just point and laugh. Yes. Yeah. I really liked it though. That was one of my favorite Hammond moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and Braytag's old, you know, Hammond of Texas with the mm-hmm. like, with the bald head thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun. So Sam has made it back into Hathor's base, into the cryogenics room where Jack was, and she sees Dr. Raleigh lying on the floor, and she confirms she's the Tok'ra, and she tells Sam about what she was doing with, like, freezing Jack again to kill the symbiote, and how to, like, what she needs to do with the controls to get Jack out, and that he'll, like, revive automatically. So she gets all that moving, and the sort of, the, the tank thing opens, and Sam luckily does not feel the presence of the symbiote, and it seems like it has worked, and Jack is not a ghouled. Yay! But, Yay. Uh, oh, Hathor is here. Uh. Yeah. And we get a quick cut back to the tunnels where Make Peace and the rest of the SG teams are under attack from Jaffa. And so Hathor, of course, is using the Rumen device to torture Sam, and she is like, just very disappointed in what has happened and what these people are trying to do. And just then, Hathor gets grabbed from behind by Jack, and she's like, I'll destroy you! And, she, and Jack is just like, I just want you to go away, and flips over the railing and down into the cryo pit, where Hathor is no more. Wilhelm screen would have been awesome here. I would have been. It would have been. Or some sort of... I'm melting. I would have worked. (laughs) But there isn't... I mean, there there isn't even really any kind of scream. She just gets flung and down she goes. Like, she doesn't seem to scream for... I know. It was missing. Needed something. 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 Yes. So Jack and Sam hug and he confirms that he is just himself. He's a little chilly, but he's just him. Everything's fine. And so Sam tells him about Makepeace and the other teams and their plan and that they need to blow up the generator that's powering the shield. So Jack's like, how are you going to do that? And Dr. Raleigh's like, I know where it is. It's in your fake SGC and tells them to go because her her symbiote may yet heal her. So... I love how, like, this whole time she's been doing the, ugh, I'm going to pass out. No, no, I'm still awake. No, oh, leave without me. Go, save yourselves. Oh, no, I'm still awake. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, propped up against the wall in pain. I yeah. How you think she's dead, like, three times, and then yeah. she's like, no, here's what you have to do. <laughs> yes. Leave me behind, I'm fine. Go, I'll be fine, I'm going to yes. walk it. I'm going to walk it off. Yeah. This is unfortunately the last we see of Dr. Raleigh, so we do not know if she lives or dies. No. Me. Back on. I'm going to go ahead and say that they should have brought her with them. Just, you know. Yeah. Gone, gone back for her, maybe, somehow. Something. Something like that. I mean. She not have left her, like, passed out against a wall. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe they did at the at the very end and we just didn't see it, but sure. We, yeah. But yeah, we just we we never see it happen if it does happen. So mm-hmm. So back on Chulak, Braytac is leading Tilk and Hammond through the woods looking for something that will give them an advantage when they head through the gate. And it turns out that thing is a very old death glider and Tilk is going to fly it. Ooh, yay. Braytac's too old to fly it, apparently. I don't, I don't really know what that means, but okay. Yeah, I, I don't either. But I guess we'll find out. So Jack and Sam are making their way through the facility, trying to find the generator, and they enter one of the fake gate rooms. And Sam's like, we got to be close because the energy readings are off the chart because she now suddenly has some sort of energy reading device with her. Yes. And Jack's just kind of looking around and points at like a random lever that looks like it's one of those like giant power switches. And he's I like, love how like they're looking around the room and he just finds like the big ass lever and is <laughs> like, eh? This one? Eh. And she's eh. like, yeah, I guess. Why not? So I just got like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Because um, the worst thing it'll do is turn off the lights, I guess. Uh, yeah. uh, when I do like it just like this. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so luckily, that is the right lever. And he pulls it. And the wall behind the gate slides open, revealing a just massive turbine generator. So does that mean that the the path, stairway, pathway, whatever that was going, you know, up to the gate and through the gate and behind the gate was before just leading to the wall. Because when the fake wall opens, it continues mm-hmm. on to be like the pathway in the room. Well, in the gate room, there's nothing like behind the gate. There's like a little, I think, stairway thing for if they need to do techie stuff to the gate. But I don't think there's like that metal walkway thing that we see in where the turbine is i don't think that's in the gate room i'm trying to think of what it was because it it made me laugh at the time of like does that mean that there was just like a walkway going to the wall no i don't don't think so let me see Ooh, screen caps let me see if i can see what it looks like um to do oh here we go um Let me see. Um, no, I mean, the ramp that's in that SGC looks a lot like the ramp that we have that kind of goes up and is like within the gate, but then it doesn't continue past the gate. Like there's stairs on the other side, like I said, but not. Okay, so we're going with that there's movie magic that all of a sudden the other half of the path appears when the wall. Yeah. Yeah. There is like, yeah. Like, the ramp of the gate suddenly extends into the room with the turbine when it didn't before. Whoops. Movie magic. Somebody uh, goofed. So, anyway, so they found it. So, yay, bingo. They'll set some C4 on it to detonate by remote. Yay. So, part one of the plan, done. Great. Unfortunately, down in the Toker Tunnels, Daniel, Makepeace, and everybody else have been captured by the Jaffa. So. Ah, foiled again. That's not great. So we're now back up by the gate where we see Trotsky and several Jaffa standing over all of the captured SG personnel, which question, how did they get outside the shield? Because they're like on the gate platform and the gate is outside the shield. I'm just, I'm super confused as to like how the shield works and like what, it, like, is there a path through the shield? Like. I, I don't. Can you I'm go confused. one way and not the other. I don't know. 
But then the SG team shouldn't be able to run out because the SG teams in the Jafal were inside the shield and they had to get outside the shield to be where we see them now at this point in the show. Maybe somebody has like a remote thing. Did they like, yeah, did they turn it off for like 30 seconds so they could get out and then turn it back on? It is very confusing. The shield is confusing. Can somebody out there please explain to us how the shield works? Because we don't understand. No. (laughs) Very confused. Who is it keeping in? Who is it keeping out? How does it work? When do you turn it off? Yes. How do you turn it off? Yes. Does Trotsky have a remote? Because he's out there, maybe? Don't know. Don't know, and I don't like it. I don't like not knowing and understanding. It's frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) You feel like this is one of the scenarios where the writers were like, ah, shield. Yes. Let's just make a magic shield, and then we'll be fine. Yeah. And then didn't factor it into any future blocking decisions. Yep. No. Yeah. So Trotsky is yelling for Sam doing that come out or I'll kill all your friends thing that villains do all the time. And Sam and Jack are sort of like hunkered down on the tree line where the forest ends. And she's like, we also, could blow it's it. Really, it's a really big area. I always love in moments like that. How do they know that they're there? I would love to have seen a moment where like someone's like, hey. We have your friends and like nobody's there. And he's like, oh, I'll wait. Like, yes. Five more minutes. Maybe she'll get here. Hey, <laughs> I am your friends. Yeah. How many, how many times did he yell that before this? Before he got a response. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like it had to have taken 10 minutes to get from there to here. Maybe. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Sam's like, we could blow the C4 now. And Jack's like, hang on a second. They think I'm a ghoul, right? Like, as far as they're concerned, I'm still an evil guy. Okay. So I'll just hold off on the C4 until, like, we're supposed to blow the C4. And Jack is just going to go try and delay for a little bit. So... He, like, heads down to where the gate is, and he just yells, Jaffa, Cree, at everybody. And then Trotsky yells something back in Gould. And Jack is just like, I say Cree, because, you know, Jack knows one word in Gould, which is just Cree. Um, what does that even mean? What is Cree? It seems to be an all-purpose word for, like, pay attention, hey, look, beware, alert thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which this sort of brought up, like, why did Tilk never give at least sort of like a basic Gould language lesson? That's a good point. At least sort of like, these are words you might hear when you're in battle to understand, like, you know, if the Gould is telling Jaffa to go over there and do this, that will sound like these words. Not that that's a they, really good point. Why did he never give them Gould lessons? Yeah, like they don't need to be fluent in Gould, but at least you know, sort of basic, like where's the bathroom, like you learn in every foreign language. Conversational Gould. <laughs> Conversational Gould with Professor Tilk. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, that's what we need. Anyway, that's uh, a good point. Oh uh, man, I don't know. So anyway, so Jack just starts riffing, as Jack does, and tells them that Hathor is dead, 
and Trotsky's like, I don't believe you has always happened. Like, like you said, just like one time I'd like somebody to be like, oh, okay. And like, believe the other person when they say this horrible <laughs> thing has happened. And the other person is just like, okay. Cause they, you know, what? what? Yeah. Um, but Jack's like, yeah, she's dead. I killed her myself. And does this whole kind of spoof of the Monty Python dead parrot speech, which is like funny. <laughs> she's yeah. an ex goddess. Um, so luckily they get saved by the gate activating and on Chulak, we see Hammond in the glider behind Tilk, and Tilk's like, I'm going to fly this thing. You're going to be in charge of weapons. Then a quick cut back to the planet where Sam blows the C4. And then back with Tilk and Hammond, Hammond asks what Braytac meant by threading the needle. And apparently what that means is Tilk is just going to jam on the gas and fly them through the gate as fast as he can. And so they come hurling out the other end. They take out one of the gun turrets. Jack starts firing at Trotsky and the Jaffa. Samuel's a warning to Jack as the second turret takes aim at him and he dives up, out of the way as Braytat comes running through with a small troop of Jaffa. They fire at Trotsky and take him down. The glider then sweeps around and takes out the second turret with Hammond yelling yee-haw, which this is my favorite Hammond moment because he just looks yeah. so delighted and happy and like a little boy. And I love it so much. He's just like, yes! You get to and, see him like back in the field doing stuff. I always I, find it funny when there are moments where like somebody has a pistol and they're firing at like some other huge ass gun, especially in this case when it's those you know, huge Jaffa, the, um, what are those? Like the staff, huge... the staff weapon, but no, but like the huge ones, the turret one. Yes. The turret one. Oh, so okay. like Jack was firing at it. <laughs> this reminds me of like muggle weapons. <laughs> well, I think he was trying to aim for the Jaffa that was controlling the turret gun. I know, but it's just, it's funny <laughs> when it's a guy with a pistol versus like a cannon. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if it's, like, a different technology. It reminds me of, like, Harry Potter. Like, you know, muggle weapons. Yes. It's funny, and it made me laugh my brain. Yeah. Yep. Um, But, so, Hathor's Jaffa have now been captured by Braytag and his Jaffa. And Tilk and Hammond have exited the glider, which, if you notice in the background, is actually, like, hovering. It hasn't actually, like, landed. It's sort of, like doing that floaty hover thing, which I think is cool. Oh. A cool little cool oh, effect thing. Yeah. No. It's kind of, if you go back and watch it, you can, it does that sort of floaty bobbing hover thing that hovering things do in TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but Tilkin Hammond have exited and they walk over to the gate where everybody is standing and they all look very pleased at a successful rescue. Finally. And the end. Which ends. Which yeah. seems, it is, it is a very abrupt ending, I think, to this episode. It is! It's just sort of like, and they all lived happily ever after. It's like, but there's like 12 other things that we could have seen happen yes. here at the end, I think. Yeah, but, and they end it with those like, oh, hey. Oh, you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just killed a whole bunch of people. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. us. We did Let's it again. Yeah. <laughs> got some ice cream. Ice cream? Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
any memos from this week and I'm ready to actually take notes at the end of the season. I don't have to listen to everything to go back. Oh, man. Let's see. Memos for today. Yes. I'm trying to think of stupid. Well, I mean, bring back up again. The the huge-ass lever on the wall is most likely the one that turns off what you're looking for. Pull the huge-ass lever first. Okay, that's better. Yes. Pull... (laughs) <laughs> pull the huge ass lever first <laughs> um wrap nope that's it I like pull the yeah. huge ass lever first okay. okay yeah I think that's kind of all for this week yeah Yeah. not much in the way of foreign language titles we got a couple we got French which is Dans l'entrée des Gould which is in the Gould's lair uh, the Hungarian translates as through fire and water, mm. rather than just into the fire. And the German, if you remember, the last episode was the Lion's Den Part 1, so obviously this is the Lion's Den Part 2. Oh, part, I was yeah. going to guess Part 3. No? Okay. No, no, Part 2. All right. Is, the first one was Part right. 1, and then this is the one immediately after that, so 2 comes after 1. We shall reach 2. And then proceed to three. We shall not proceed to three without first. Thou shalt not proceed to five until first counting three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, So the episode title itself, Into the Fire. Um, I mean, they kind of are, like, they just get thrown into the fire with the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. There was no actual fire. The the big turret guns kind of made fire a little bit. Made fire. There's probably a big fire inside the mothership after they blew up the turret or the the generator thing. Is it funny that the episode is called Into the Fire, but Hathor actually gets killed by freezing? Oh. Whereas in the previous Hathor episode, she did get quote unquote killed by fire or burst into fire when she was quote unquote killed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, I guess into the cryo freezing would not. <laughs> that doesn't. Not even as good of an episode name. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. I forgot to look up. Um. Yeah. So like, so you know, the full thing is out of the frying pan into the fire, which means you go from a bad situation to like a worse one, which they did kind of because then they all got stuck there. True. Um. Did you find any songs? There were way too many. Okay. I found many songs. Oh, let's see. We got Dockin'. We got Inside the Fire by Disturbed. Mm. Yeah, wow. There's a lot. You know, a lot of artists seem to like fire. Sarah McLaughlin. Ooh. <gasps> yep. There are no puppies in this episode. We can't use several ones. <laughs> Do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? Like, are you watching the current season? No. Okay. A couple weeks ago, the the main challenge was um, they had, they broke into three teams and they brought back three of the previous queens who had been like the first eliminated from their season. And they had to do like a PSA called Save 
Save the Queens. They're sort of about like they're like living in this horrible retirement home and they need our help. And, you know, like one of those very emotional, you know, Mm -hmm. ASPCA things. So they do all that. And then, you know, they're showing it at the end. And then surprise, here comes Sarah McLaughlin at the (laughs) end. Oh, no. It's so funny. (laughs) because <laughs> you could tell some of the younger queens that are like currently on the show were reacting only because everybody else was reacting and had like no idea who she was and like why was. it was funny but yeah it was pretty oh my God. That so was hilarious. yeah it was like no way um but yeah so Anyway, that's my Sarah McLaughlin story for this week. Like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, any? So, what are your final thoughts about this episode? Do you like how it wrapped up what started in the season two finale? Are, are we happy uh, with the conclusion? I do think it wrapped up things okay. There is, I mean, aside from just the oddness of the shield, as it were, which yeah. will forever be a mystery. Yes. Uh, I think is it's pretty it, good. Is it building no... a mystery? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry, I'm cracking myself up over here. Okay. Yes, anyway. Um <laughs> So no, I, there are no gaping holes in the plot that are, are left really unsaid. Um mm-hmm. as far as I except I guess, of course, what happened to our beloved Tokra. Yeah. Operative. Yes. I, I like to, I like to, I like to think they went back and got her. Yes. After they built a campfire and had some s'mores, and they're like, "Oh, we should go get Doctor." <laughs> oh yeah, let's go find out if she's dead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I think that's gonna do it for this week. Then, as always, thank you for listening, and you can find us on Twitter at sg underscore rewatch, or send us an email at woo. That's w o o s g rewatch at gmail dot com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Seth.